0: Welcome to Fintech Insider Interviews coming from Cyboss 2019 in London. I'm Jason Bates, and it's my pleasure to be joined by Bill Winters, Groove Chief Executive at Standard Chartered. Hey, Bill. Jason. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Very well. Uh, Cyboss must be quite a thing for you. It seems like there's everyone wants to talk to everyone, uh, and I really appreciate you making some time to come and talk to us.
1: No, that's a pleasure. It's nice to be able to find uh, you know, a lot of the people they might want to talk to in one place. So
0: where do we start? I mean, you're group chief executive of a large bank, is it 35 retail regions, something like that, Um, Mm. uh, across the world in some of the most exciting growth development places. Uh, How do you think about strategy? Like, what does someone in your role look at for the next few years?
1: Well, we look at it all the time. So, so exactly how we look at it, it, it evolves uh, over time as well. Now, we're in about sixty-five countries and about uh, uh, twenty-six or so retail countries. Okay. So, the, the first thing we look at is, you know, why the sixty-five countries, and, and there, there are connections between all those things. Uh, and there's also connections where we have retail between the, the wholesale business and the retail business. Uh, obviously, retail businesses tend to either fund the wholesale business or they support it for branding or, or physical locations. Uh, and uh, so there's, there's sort of a horizontal and a vertical uh, uh, network effect that, that we're trying to capture all the time. And what we know for sure is that every one of those markets is different. And, and, and not only are the markets different, but our position in those markets is different. So we've got some markets where, we, where we're a number one bank, or a, we have one market where we have 100% market share. Uh, I bet you can't guess what it is. Oh, no, I have no idea. Falkland Islands. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. So, so we, we are, we're the bank in the Falkland Islands. <laughs> Uh, and we have other markets where we've got a, you know, a very substantial market share, but they tend to be smaller. And we have some markets, you know, wonderful markets like Hong Kong, where market share is, is uh, more like 10%. Sure. Uh, but it's a re- reasonably concentrated market, at least for the time being until the virtual banks uh, licenses that have been sure. granted kick in, one of which has been granted to us. Yes. So uh, yeah, different countries, uh, different markets, different positions. And then what we try to do is to say, you know, what do our customers need in each one of these markets? Uh, which of those needs can we address in a somewhat differentiated way uh, and then go about delivering that? Uh, if we can't figure out what they need or if we don't think we can deliver it in a differentiated way, then we probably shouldn't be there.
0: And is that from a sort of strategic global perspective or an in-market? In-market. Play?
1: In-market. I mean, the, the customer need is fundamentally in-market. And there are clearly some, some similarities across markets, uh, and, uh, and I think maybe... I think there's an assumption that the, the millennial and younger generation will be much more converged in terms of what they demand from financial services providers. And I think that's probably right as, as technology becomes more portable across borders. But nevertheless, there are regulatory differences, there's cultural differences, and there's a difference in terms of how our brand presents itself. Sure. Uh, so, so we've got we've got to localize. We have to start with the customer and the in the location.
0: So how do you pick which regions to really go for in that space? Because I guess in some ways you could say, well, let's protect some of our bigger regions. Or in or another, another way, you might say, actually, we should really attack regions we don't have much of a presence in already.
1: Yeah. Well, one of the nice, uh, I'll call it even a liberating realization for us over the past few years uh, is that uh, in many cases, we can be a disruptor. Uh, so we, we had the mindset of an incumbent because we had been in some of these markets for uh, literally 160 years. And when... When you've been in a market for 160 years, it's natural to think of yourself as an incumbent. And from a branding perspective, in some ways, we are an incumbent. But uh, if we look at what's happened to our market share over those 160 years, in some cases, we're very small, especially in the mass market. So uh, with with new paradigms being developed in terms of accessing customers and customer relationships, uh, we think we can have partnerships that that can deliver our differentiated products. It must be clear that they're differentiated through different channels mm. uh, to get to markets where we just don't have penetration today. Mm. Uh, so yeah, we're looking at, at, at new client segments, not so much new markets. I, mean, I don't think we've piled into a, a new country in retail uh, recently. But now having, um, well, with one notable exception, we, uh, we built a, a standalone virtual bank in Cote d'Ivoire, in the Ivory Coast, yeah. where we didn't have a retail presence. We did have a wholesale presence. We have a banking license. But the bank we built was sort of from scratch, Using existing standard charter technology pulled together so that it's a, a complete full-service platform on a mobile phone. And, uh, and that was a new market for us, mm. uh, albeit the brand was, was somewhat known because of our wholesale activity. It's gone gangbusters. Uh, and, uh, we, we identified some, some real gaps in terms of what the market was providing to local customers. Uh, it's a small market, mm. for sure, and, uh, and, the, and it's not a wealthy market. So it's, it's clearly a, it's, it's a mass market offering entirely mobile phone based, but it's working. We've now rolled that model out across eight additional African countries where we do have a retail presence. Right. And in those cases, it's just a, it, it's an additional channel to offer alongside the existing branch network that we have.
0: So these new digital plays, both in Cote d'Ivoire and the work that um, you've been doing with your team in Hong Kong, um, I, I guess that points to something around a different operating model or a different underlying infrastructure which isn't something you could have done with the main brand. Um, I think there's been a lot of talk of this, you know, should banks transform at scale, or should they be doing smaller plays and then moving on? Yeah. Like, uh, how do you think about that?
1: Well, you know, as a practical matter, we, we've got sort of three experiments running side by side. Uh, Cote was a new market for us, but it was using entirely existing technology. Okay. So we, we spent some money to Iron out the wrinkles to make sure that we could have a process go from onboarding through to customer service with, with no human contact. Sure. Uh, and that's that, you know, so far so good. But, it, but it's, it's not state of the art in terms of the, the, the latest uh, gadgets and, and wingdings. Uh, what we're building in Hong Kong, uh, we intend to be brand new. So it's, sure. it's, it's, it's a new tech stack uh, with partners and uh, with what we hope to be a fundamentally different user experience. And, and yeah, we'll see if we can deliver that, but that, that's the intention. Now we have an in-between, which we rolled out in India last year, subsequently in Singapore now in Malaysia, uh, which is taking the the uh, existing tech stack that we have inside our conventional channel and just layer on, layering on a, a no human touch uh-huh. digital complementary channel, uh, which is uh, it's it's an upgrade uh, and uh, I would say that's uh, that's kind of the entry price just to stay in the game. Uh, sure, it's, it's that that's the, the the platform that allows us to continue to to offer. Uh, services that are consistent with, with best-in-class or, or within striking distance of best-in-class. You know, if you get there fast, you can be ahead of the class, but not for very long. Sure. Uh, but it's not a fundamentally new, new experience. Now, we've got all three, and uh, yeah, the, the, the virtual bank in Hong Kong is, is, a, is a de novo operation with a physically separate team with a separate ownership structure sure. in separate locations and using separate technology. And, and, and of course, I think we're finding uh, both the exhilaration of, of a startup and also the challenges of a startup. Uh, I think we're also realizing that uh, being part of the mothership ha- has, its, has its drawbacks, for sure. Uh, and I think the team finds it frustrating at times to have to go through particular approval processes. With sure. the expectations on our, our Hong Kong bank in, in the context of a startup, because it's you know, being, being built by Standard Charter Bank, and because the license came, at least in part, sure. because of the involvement of Standard Charter Bank, puts a burden on them that might not exist with a, with a pure startup. You know, on the other hand, I ask you, know, well, what's, what's going to slow down some of the other participants in this market? Uh, and, and why, if, if it's so easy for everybody else, why haven't they launched yet? Mm. On this, well, I mean, it's very complicated to get these CDD and KYC systems in. And you know, what works in China doesn't necessarily work in Hong Kong, et cetera, sure. et cetera. So, uh, so, so the fact that we can take a, a world class KYC system sure. that's been through a lot of ringers because we've invested a fortune in this over the past three or four years, lift it and drop it. Is giving us a bit of an edge as well so you know it, so of course there's give and take there's things where we're in much better shape by virtue of being part of Santander charter bank and there's cultural things as a process things that are slowing us down and what we're trying to do now as we did with our real-time onboarding project in india is iron out all the wrinkles at the outset uh, so that as we roll this model out in subsequent markets it goes much smoother second third fourth time along. Mm.
0: so do you think that uh, banking is going to have a a fundamental change of operating model. You know, I think the way I look at it is often that the underlying sort of balance sheet, the financial product is really likely to be there, but actually we're seeing intelligence services and end to end journeys and a lot of these sort of partnerships evolve uh, in a very different way to the traditional product and channel view. Yep. Um, uh, but I guess with a large bank that has organizational models and silos and systems in yep. those traditional product ways. Um, it, it gets to an interesting question as to, yep. uh, as to how that plays out.
1: It's a huge challenge. And uh, I, I think, uh, I think any, any bank manager that says it's not a huge challenge uh, would be fibbing a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, you know, the, the, the equation that I try to do at each juncture is, we know the challenge, and we're getting better at dealing with the challenge. I'm not going to pretend that that, that you know, we've transformed the culture of Santa Chartered in the past three years because we haven't. We've made some good changes. Yeah, uh, you know, we've got the experiments that are off on the side. You know, we've set up a lab that that can uh, that that can, can act as a bit of a sandbox for uh, for new things and new ideas with with sort of limited ability to do harm. Uh, and I think we're we're learning in each of these cases how you can port those things back into. The main ship, mm. uh, but it could be that that uh, that, that a, a disproportionate share of the innovation happens you know, outside of the main ship, and then gets ported back in. We'll see. For for the time being, uh, the, the 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 existence of what we call SC Ventures, that you know, I think probably most people have something similar, uh, has acted as a great catalyst for the rest of the organization to innovate themselves, and and we've been very careful to have you know fully uh, half of the focus of SC Ventures be. Uh, Promoting entrepreneurship, so we've got various competitions and, and reward programs and, and dedicated funding for entrepreneurs. Uh, some of which are really exciting, uh, and at the same time, uh, giving people who are in the you know, back in the mothership the opportunity to cycle through some of the ventures. And uh, you know, I think you just have to keep on experimenting, get get that thing that works for your organization. It'll be different for Standard Charter than it will be for somebody, for example, that has a big proportion of their business coming from a single market. Yeah, which we don't.
0: So I guess one of the things working down in Hong Kong that uh, most interested me was the fact that a variety of the players that have gone for banking licenses there and in the region are partnerships and aggregations yeah. of, of companies. Suddenly you've got a, a retailer and a telco and a big tech company and a bank, um, which seems very different from other parts of the world where we've had sort of a more of a financial services flavor. Um, what, do you think it, uh, what do you think behind that?
1: Well, I, I think... What's behind it is, is that the, these other non-bank partners uh, realize that their customers want to have uh, an element of convenience in terms of their dealing with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's, there's different ways to skin that cat, that they can become a bank themselves or yep. they can apply for a license themselves. Uh, you know, Perhaps we'll see some of that in Singapore. as Singapore yep. goes down the road of a, of a non-bank license. We'll see. Um, or you can get there very fast uh, with an effective partnership. What we found is, is that uh, standard chartered appears to be a Very attractive partner now is that because like we 're just really nice people that that uh, give away the shop when we negotiate uh, no, yeah. although I think we are really nice people I, I, I think what Senator Charter brings to the equation is a recognition that that given our scale and which is we 're not the biggest bank in in the world by a long shot, uh, and given the breadth of our operations, we can really only get there through effective partnerships so we 're investing heavily uh, in these partnerships uh, where we can uh, together with, with partners satisfy a particular set of customer needs that we can't do alone and that they can't do alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And so from your position, you know, leading a, a, a really interesting bank in, in that you are in so many of these growth areas. Um, what are the priorities over the next few years? That, uh, because obviously you've got massive cost base, you've got transformation, you've got new players coming along in a, in, you know, across the world. Yeah. How do you prioritize for an organization at scale?
1: No, we, uh, I joined Center Charter four years ago, and you know, we spent a couple months understanding what our competitive differentiation points were, and, uh, and it really boiled down into, into two things, and, and a third was more of an aspiration. Uh, the first is that we have a unique network. Now, we're not the only bank that has a network. We're just the only bank that has our network. Sure. And uh, given our presence in Africa, everywhere, in ASEAN, you know, very large in, in China, Hong Kong, uh, as well as a, a, the, the second largest clearer of U.S. dollars in the world uh, that isn't a U.S. bank, uh, second largest trade bank in, in Asia. So that network, it all plays for the network. Uh, so we want to do everything we can to reinforce that network. And we want to do it in a way that, that uh, we provide less of what clients don't value from us, which is undifferentiated capital. And so uh, we've been very successful in shifting our business uh, on that, in that part of the business that way. In retail, we have a very differentiated affluent proposition. You know, we don't manufacture anything, mm-hmm. so we're a, we're a distributor. And uh, that puts us in a position to really pivot back to saying, what does the client need here? What does the customer need? Uh, and provide that. And then lever that one thing that will endure beyond the point of, of technological singularity, which is trust. And, right. you know, and we have that today, and we're doing everything we can to, to build that trust. Uh, the third is, is that you half, well, it was 60% when we started four years ago of our retail business was with mass market customers. And we have very poor customer service with with that, well, in fact, with our entire retail business, but in particular uh, with the mass market. And the rhetoric around the mass market was we want to shrink it. But, well, I mean, that is never going to win you any any uh, contest at the end sure. of the day. Uh, so we focused heavily on customer service at the outset and heavily on digitizing uh, everything that we do. Now, that's not differentiated, uh, but we think that we, well, I mean, we think we'll come up with some differentiated things. Uh, but the, the proposition itself, uh, the asset was, was not differentiated. By partnering with some of the people that we have partnered with and now we think we'll partner with, we can offer something different in terms of building propositions that are differentiated for that customer segment. Uh, and uh, you know, it all starts with, with understanding those customer needs.
0: Which is something we talk about you know to customers about all the time. Exactly, it's on the wall behind us. Um, because actually that Digitising the digital side is really all about service in the end and understanding the brutal realities of customers' lives and then developing new solutions to it. But I guess the thing that I see is that um, traditionally bankers view the world in their product framework. Yep. It's a credit card, it's a loan, it's a something and aren't used to seeing the world in like... What's the brutal reality of a Hong Konger's um, you know, Kong financial life like, and how does that work? Yep. I mean, that's quite a mind shift, culture shift in, in how things work.
1: It is. And we had a couple of experiments, a couple of pilots early on. One was in Singapore. Uh, the, the, the tale was quite woeful. Our, our market share in Singapore had gone from you know, a respectable high, si- high single digits to a less respectable lower single digits over a 12-year period. NPS scores were bottom decile. Uh, you know, customer satisfaction surveys. Oh, no, we didn't do any customer satisfaction surveys. But we did know the, the MPS scores because they were produced by third parties. Uh, we put a, a super strong uh, colleague who had been running our global wealth business, so a product that we did very well, and said, turn it around, make Singapore work. Right? You're now the CEO of Singapore. And she did a fabulous job of uh, f- starting with, with customer service because that you can, you can change yeah. in, in days yeah. uh, if, you, if you can get the mindset and the incentivization right. We went from, from sort of bottom of the stack in NPS score to top quartile with a you know a clear aspiration and, and momentum to be number one over a not too long a period of time. Wow! Uh, and uh, and now we're repeating that in market after market after market. Uh, it works easier for us on the in the affluent client proposition where we do have something that's differentiated. It's harder in the mass market because we have been we have been less differentiated. But with some of the the, the tools that we're developing, we'll make a difference there as well. And. Uh, Yeah, well, that's but it is a complete turnaround of the mindset, and uh, I'll I'll give you credit for it.
0: (laughs) You were were giving us some tips along the way. It's been my pleasure. The you know working with Dennis Given and the the guys down in Hong Kong uh, was amazing, and actually out of. All of our banking clients, um, I've been really impressed with your team there in terms of feeling more like a startup than yeah. anyone. They drive so hard.
1: Well, that's great to hear, but I, I, if you don't mind, I'm not going to share that with him because uh, <laughs> I want him to really focus on, <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, it, we're, we're very happy with the progress that we're making. But you know, the, the, the transformation in Singapore was right inside the mothership yeah. and led by, by the woman who was running our country in Singapore. She actually now runs the region. Sure. Uh, so she's now rolling that out in Malaysia and Indonesia and India, etc. cetera. Uh, and uh, you know, having had the success, and it's a, it's a competitive market, it's a very sophisticated regulator, I mean, there's, there's no corners to cut in Singapore. Yeah. Uh, and we're not done yet. I mean, I don't want to pretend that we're done, but, but we know that we can do it.
0: So um, I'm fascinated by the way in which you've turned regions around on that service perspective. Were there some particular areas that, that you focused on, that the team focused on?
1: Yeah, well, we, we focused on, on complaints first. Yeah. Uh, that was proper, proper handling of the complaints. Uh, we tried to automate as much as, as possible to, to, through self-service uh, uh, where possible. So, so you know, we we've historically had very good mobile banking apps, uh, but they were not good service platforms. And right. so we, we tried to build as much of the service platform as we could in, into our you know, versions two and three of our mobile banking app. Uh, and clearly, the the the, uh, the 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 new markets that we're opening are the, the new channels in uh, in Africa and then uh, eventually in Hong Kong. Uh, the, the idea is, is to allow much more self-service in a much more intuitive way, uh, and, but, but then to have, still have strong human contact, both to promote the, the trust dimension and also to deal with frustrations. We know we won't get it right. Um, but but yeah, we, we've, we've embarked on a, uh, on a, a series of, of customer journeys, which I think is, 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 is quite common. I, I don't know that ours is, are differentiated relative to anybody else's, but uh, it's amazing some of the things that you learn about what customers really value and what some of the blocking points are when you take a, a, a truly agile approach.
0: So what does standard charge look like in five years? Have you, do, you ha- do you have a, a strong vision or a kind yeah. of view for that?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, if you ask our shareholders, they'll say a bank that returns uh, above <laughs> a 10% return on tangible equity. Sure. Right? So they've got, a, they've got a set of financial mar- metrics, which, which we say that's fine. And that they, we, we, take that, we take that challenge. Uh, from, uh, from our perspective, we will continue to be a wholesale and a retail bank. Uh, we'll continue to, to find ways to get some leverage across the, those two dimensions with different client bases. Uh, But we don't want to overplay that. uh, I mean, there are some synergies, but that's not the big thing. In the network part of the business, uh, we want to be a a real value-added provider of cross-border services, uh, and we want to provide as much capital as the client needs for us to deliver our best in those cross-border services, and no more. On the the affluent side of our business, we want to be the the client's trusted advisor. And uh, we want to understand and we want to be the, the client's trusted advisor at a time when Robo-advisors will be ubiquitous, the, the, the quality of AI will be outstanding. The, the, so the, the, the nature of a recommendation that you can get from various machines mm. coming from standard chartered or UBS or, or, or you know, a FinTech will be excellent and hard to differentiate. Mm. Trust will be key, mm. and we want to make sure that we're, we're that trusted provider. Both the trust on the advice, but also trust on the execution. Uh, part of that is, is remaining an, an open architecture provider, so truly agnostic to the product that we're, uh, we're helping our clients to buy. And on the mass market, we want to, to, uh, to, to vastly increase the size of that business on our own where we can through partnerships uh, elsewhere with a really differentiated level of customer service and, and, uh, and digital innovation.
0: Well, Bill, that's an exciting spot to leave us on. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for coming to, uh, to spend a little time with us. My
1: pleasure. Thank you, Jason.
0: Thank you.